0: Hey there, and welcome to Green Flower Nation, a show to explore and understand how cannabis is impacting our society today. I'm Max Simon, your host, the CEO of Green Flower, which is the global leaders in cannabis education, and I'm a cannabis patient myself. On today's episode, we're exploring cannabis as a medicine how it works in the body, who's using it, what benefits they're getting, and what doctors think about this unique plant. Most people think that cannabis as a medicine is a joke. It's not something that's backed by any science. It's not something that has any medical efficacy in their minds. It's not something that we should take seriously. But the reasons why people will say these things is usually based in two camps. The first is that we've been told for literally decades that this plant, marijuana, is bad for us. Our government said it, our health officials said it, our teachers said it. And I know that in my case, my parents church said it to me as well. And so it's not so easy to just ignore decades and decades of authorities telling us that this was something bad. But the second reason why people don't take it seriously is actually just a lack of knowledge. They haven't learned about the science, the research, the studies, the stories, or the innovation that's taking place today. I came to cannabis early on because I was suffering from severe ADHD. When I was young, I was diagnosed, and it created this whole cascade of challenges in my life. I couldn't take tests in the same way. I couldn't learn and study in the same way. I couldn't relate socially in the same way. And so in hindsight, I realized that this affliction of mine was a real point of struggle and frustration throughout most of my life. And like most teenagers, I started smoking pot. And of course, at the time, I never ever would have told you this is medicine. But at the same time, in hindsight, It started to allow me to focus, it allowed me to study, it allowed me to concentrate, it allowed me to be present in a way that none of the pharmaceuticals or none of the other things I tried was ever able to accomplish. And so as I got older and I progressed along my career and my life, and I started to learn more about cannabis, it became apparent that this was my medicine. And as I embraced it as my medicine and use it daily now to manage this ADHD, I have become such an advocate because I've seen the personal transformation that happens in my life. And so I'm very passionate about educating others. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so glad you're here with me in this journey to explore the impacts that cannabis is having on different parts of our society today. To kick off today's episode, I wanted to explore and understand why cannabis is capable of helping so many different types of people who are dealing with so many different ailments, conditions, and life circumstances. Because the truth is, when you understand what's happening in the body when you consume cannabis, you'll really quickly see why doctors and healthcare providers are really getting so excited about the therapeutic possibilities with cannabis. To gain this understanding, we spoke with Dr. Jordan Tischler, who's a Harvard-trained medical doctor who's become a leading expert on cannabis therapeutics and now runs a very successful medical cannabis clinic in Massachusetts, where he consults with patients on a daily basis to help them navigate cannabis as a medicine. Dr. Tischler, can you explain what's happening in the body when you consume cannabis?
1: Sure. Um, I think the thing that people really need to understand is that we humans have a system in our body called the endocannabinoid system. And this is a hugely important part of our body it's part of our our brains and our general neurologic system but also in other systems like our immune systems and all of this works to keep us functioning as healthy human beings
0: That's very interesting Now you often hear that the endocannabinoid system is responsible for homeostasis Can you explain what that means
1: Homeostasis is the idea that all of us as, as organisms live within a sort of balance. And if we get off that balance for one reason or another, then we become sick. And the endocannabinoid system's role is to help us maintain that balance.
0: And so what parts of the body are regulated by this endocannabinoid system?
1: Well, the answer to that is almost all of it, and we're still discovering more and more about it. But as I mentioned, it's part of our brains and our other neurologic tissue. It's involved in our immune responses. We have receptors in our gut uh, and our bones and our blood making system, and in our heart and in our kidneys. Um, so. It's all interconnected. And the thing that makes this most fascinating is the way in which we understand each of these systems as individual systems. And the endocannabinoid system's role then is to tie it all together into this functioning, healthy organism.
0: Wow, this really seems like something that people should really know more about. Can you give me an example of how the endocannabinoid system works when it comes to dealing with a particular ailment or condition?
1: Well, we understand that the endocannabinoid system is involved across multiple systems, but if we look particularly at things like um, anxiety and depression, the endocannabinoid system is deeply responsible for maintaining a healthy, positive uh, mood state and avoiding the kinds of unpleasant things like anxiety and depression.
0: So that's a perfect segue. Let's talk about how cannabis impacts this system. So we all have an endocannabinoid system, which is responsible for homeostasis. And so how does then consuming cannabis actually impact this endocannabinoid system?
1: Well, the system, as we've talked about, is wide ranging. And we just gave the example of mood issues. But certainly the number one area where this comes up is around pain. So The same system is involved in the modulation of pain as it is in the modulation of mood. And in fact, we know that pain and mood are deeply connected with each other. So we can use cannabis, which contains these chemicals called cannabinoids to go into our endocannabinoid system and supplement the interaction and to help that get back on track. And so that allows us to do things like treat people with mood issues, anxiety, depression. It allows us to help people who are having chronic pain, and the list goes on.
0: That's amazing. So you've mentioned that cannabis and the endocannabinoid system can help with pain and mood. Are there other conditions or ailments where cannabis is really being effective?
1: Sure. Um, Sleep regulation is a huge one. So insomnia is a big one. Appetite is another one. And associated with that, uh, unfortunately, in some of our our patients is nausea and vomiting. All of those sorts of things are tied directly to the endocannabinoid system and therefore are good targets for use with cannabis medicine.
0: So is the endocannabinoid system the reason why cannabis has such a wide-reaching application with so many different kinds of people and ailments?
1: That's exactly it. It, you know, and, and that's, I think, something that sometimes, uh, physicians and scientists struggle with. We're used to things being very sort of specifically targeted. And in fact, this is specifically targeted to this endocannabinoid system, but the system itself has its tentacles, if you will, so far spread throughout our uh, biology and has such direct effects on our daily lives that it looks like this stuff is kind of miraculously doing all these different things. When in fact, what it is, is that the endocannabinoid system is a system that manages all of these different things that obviously have to work together to make an intact being. And so we can then use the cannabis medicine to have that sort of far-reaching overarching benefit and help so many people with so many illnesses.
0: Beautifully explained, Dr. Tischler, thank you. My final question to you is, based on your professional experience working with thousands of different kinds of patients, is cannabis medicine?
1: Without question, Uh, cannabis is medicine. It's good medicine, it's safe medicine. It needs to be used in a careful and thoughtful manner. Um, And that is the way to best outcomes.
0: It's pretty incredible when you start to think about the repercussions that this endocannabinoid system has on human health, and more importantly, how cannabis can play such a crucial role in healing and transformation. When we come back we'll take a look at cannabis as a medicine historically because you might be surprised to find that we've been using it as a medicine for a lot longer than you think so it turns out that doctors and healthcare providers have known that cannabis is a medicine for a pretty shockingly long time in fact you may not know this but prior to the 1930s Cannabis was widely popular, and in fact, one of the most widely prescribed medications and used by millions of people per year. That's right, millions of people were using cannabis. To learn more about this, we spoke with Dr. David Bierman, who is known as one of the most clinically knowledgeable physicians in the US in the field of medical marijuana. He spent 40 years working in substance and drug abuse treatment and prevention programs, including being the co-director of the Hate ashbury Drug Treatment Program. He was a member of Governor Reagan's Task Force on Drug Abuse, and he's a current member of the Santa Barbara and San Diego Drug Abuse Technical Advisor Committees, and an author on multiple books on drug policy and drug abuse. Historically, has cannabis ever been used as a medicine in our society?
2: Cannabis has a long historical use. In the Society of America, it was in the United States Pharmacopeia from the 1850s until 1942. Furthermore, at the turn of the 19th to the 20th century, it was the third most common ingredient in over-the-counter medications and prescription medications after alcohol and opium. And in the 1920s, American physicians wrote 3 million prescriptions a year that contained cannabis.
0: Wait a second, you're, you're telling me that doctors wrote 3 million prescriptions of cannabis a year and that it was the third most common ingredient in medications at the turn of the 20th century? That's pretty crazy and I think something that most people don't really know or understand. So what were people using it for back then?
2: Using it for pretty much the same things we use it for today. We recently did a study of 300 patients, 100 each from uh, three highly qualified cannabinoid medicine specialists and found that the most common reason for recommending cannabis was pain and the second most common reason was anxiety. My father was a pharmacist, and in 1928, when he was a freshman at the University of Minnesota School of Pharmacy, one of their assignments was to make tincture cannabis, and he said they had to be very careful because the alcohol was illegal.
0: <laughs> that's, um, that's really funny.
2: <laughs> I've got his 1927 Remington's Textbook of Pharmacy, and guess what? It says that cannabis was used for painkiller and as a tranquilizer the very two things that are at the top of the list now. But the list goes on and on. It was used as a childbirth anesthetic. It was used to treat uh, asthma uh, and many of the same conditions that it's used to treat today. Furthermore, uh, there were most of the major drug companies produced products that were cannabis, powdered cannabis, whole leaf cannabis, tincture of cannabis, Eli Lilly, Squib, Merck, Sharpen Dome, the Smith Brothers, Tilden. Uh, the list goes on and on. This was a very common medicinal preparation that was available well into the 20th century.
0: So it sounds like from a medical perspective, cannabis was pretty widely accepted at that time. Is that true?
2: Not only was it widely accepted, but when the AMA testified against the Marijuana Tax Act in 1937, one of the things they did was criticize the use of the word marijuana. The AMA said that they almost didn't show up because they didn't know they were talking about cannabis. And in fact, the choice of the term marijuana for the Marijuana Tax Act was no accident. It was meant to confuse people because the average American knew what cannabis was and they knew what hemp was. The average American did not know what marijuana was.
0: So what happened that caused cannabis to go from being so widely accepted as a safe medicine and getting recommended by doctors to it becoming illegal and really filled with so much fear?
2: That's a really good question, and it had nothing to do with cannabis as a medicine. The AMA, as I indicated, testified for two hours before the House Ways and Means Committee aggressively against uh, the Marijuana Tax Act, and in their testimony they said they knew of no dangers to the medical use of cannabis. They also were highly critical of the data that the uh, house was using, what happened was, and this is all sort of speculation, but the circumstantial evidence is very strong that the oil industry, uh, the petrochemical industry in general, and DuPont in particularly, was very concerned not about marijuana, not about cannabis, but about hemp.
0: Hemp? Why were they worried about hemp? Hemp?
2: DuPont became concerned that with hemp being uh, much cheaper, that it would compete as a source of cellulose with many of the products that they made which were reliant on cellulose, including cellophane, nylon, rayon, and probably the thing that pushed over the top is that DuPont made tetraethyl lead, an additive to gasoline, and they also were the largest shareholders in General Motors. Ford Henry Ford had always thought that hemp uh, ethanol would be the fuel for automobiles. It was not a foregone conclusion in the 1920s and 30s that gasoline would be the preferred fuel for automobiles. And in the late 1930s, Ford developed a prototype car that was made almost entirely out of hemp. It had an acrylic body that was embedded with hemp. Its uh, upholstery was made out of hemp, and it ran on hemp ethanol. So here was uh, DuPont, who was the largest shareholder in General Motors, who made tetralethyl lead, seeing Ford, their chief competitor, coming up with a car made almost entirely out of hemp that ran on hemp ethanol. And so... The, the falling out of favor of cannabis or hemp uh, for medicine had little or nothing to do with its medicinal value, and it appears that it had a lot to do with the fact that it would compete with many industries uh, that relied upon cellulose, and that DuPont was really the spear point uh, that made this happen.
0: So, as history goes, the Marijuana Tax Act gets passed in 1937, which effectively made possession and transfer of cannabis illegal under federal law, but interestingly enough excluded medical and industrial purposes. That said, there was a very heavy taxation structure placed on all things cannabis and hemp, which essentially made it commercially unviable. So, as a result, the... Positive benefits of cannabis really started to disappear from public perception and was replaced by a racist war on drugs started by Henry Aslinger. But we'll have to save that story for another time. Every time I hear the statistics about cannabis as a medicine historically, I'm always both surprised and a little saddened that we took such a crazy detour. But I think the truth is, with shows like this and the research and science that's taking place, it sure is making a strong comeback. And it's even more evident when you hear the stories of people who are getting profound results with cannabis. When we come back, we'll hear one of these stories. Now, after talking with Dr. Tischler and Dr. Bierman. It really feels pretty clear to me that you can justify cannabis having both a scientific validity as well as a historical validity. But the number one reason that's made it overwhelmingly obvious to me just how valuable cannabis is as a medicine is the thousands of stories we've gotten at Green Flower about how people from all different walks of life have used cannabis to heal and transform from different ailments and conditions from people dealing with depression and anxiety, to cancer, to epilepsy, to all sorts of other conditions. It's truly amazing to me just how many incredible stories we've received from people around the world who are benefiting from cannabis. And one of those stories that just deeply touched me was a woman by the name Irene York, who used cannabis to replace 96 pills per day she was taking before, and get herself out of a wheelchair, back to living a normal life. So Irene, we'll get to why you started using cannabis, but before we dig in, can you share with me what your beliefs were about cannabis before you started?
3: Previous to ever using cannabis or, or getting ill, I, I was very much against cannabis use and consumption. In fact, I, I wrote a couple of articles against the legalization of it, being uneducated.
0: And what happened? Why, why did you all of a sudden start to open up to it?
3: Well, several years back, I came down with a condition that was very mismanaged by the healthcare system or the doctors pharmaceutically, and as such, I was not getting the pain relief that I was that I was looking for, and uh, so I had to. There was a couple of people around me that smoked and said, just give it a try. And at that point, I was willing to give anything a try. I mean, they could have put poop on a stick and I'd, uh, I'd have agreed to it probably. But I'll tell you, the first time I used cannabis, it was amazing. It was almost instantaneous relief from the spasticity that I was experiencing.
0: And before we actually get into that, if you don't mind, what what was actually happening that caused your health to decline?
3: We really Still to the state don't exactly know. However, what had happened was I had started getting flu-like symptoms. But unlike a flu, this would last weeks or or months even and to the point that I was being very debilitated and then I perk up a bit. So there was the doctors were involved and of course there was a lot of misdiagnosis. They, you know, diagnosed me with with multiple things from fibromyalgia through to you know multiple sclerosis, they had and and a lot of symptomatic type diagnoses, of which all put me on a crapload of pharmaceuticals.
0: What was your life like during that period? How are you feeling?
3: Within a year, I'd say of falling ill uh, from the beginning, I started to have to use things like a cane or a walker. By the second year of sickness I was heavily medicated and starting to use uh, wheelchairs and by the third or fourth year I was in it pretty much in a an electric wheelchair or a hospital bed full time and and I lived in a pharmaceutical coma for lack of a better term I you know th- so heavily medicated that thoughts were not cohesive. And trying to raise children, I was very fortunate to have a network of loved ones around me that I had, and that they kept my life together for me. But as far as getting better, that wasn't happening. I just continued to grow more and more sick.
0: And I remember as part of your story, you said that you even had some really scary moments with the pharmaceuticals.
3: Absolutely. Um, in the beginning, when I first when I first got sick, um, I was taking quite a few narcotics, uh, narcotic medications. I guess medications that, you know, to stop the pain, to stop the spasticity. If you've ever had a charley horse, you'll understand what I'm about to describe. I would get a charley horse anywhere in one of the larger muscles throughout my body, that Charlie horse would result in another Charlie horse till ultimately my body was disfigured and, and contorted and screaming in pain that would not release. The, the passion of doctors, of course, is here, try this, this will work. And not to say those pharmaceuticals didn't work. In the beginning, most of them, I mean, some of them were trial and error, but most of them did work for a little while. And then I needed more for them to continue working. And then I needed more for those to continue working. And the only thing that provided relief and instantaneous was the cannabis. Now, notably, when I brought that up with my doctors, none of them were interested in listening to conversation about how cannabis would help and that I shouldn't be taking it because it wasn't helping their efforts.
0: And so you're having this terrible experience and somebody suggests you try cannabis. And so you started consuming cannabis and what happened with your symptoms and with your life?
3: I threw out all of the pharmaceuticals and uh, I went into, my body went into crazy detox, as you can well imagine. Fortunately, I had a partner in my world at that time that was, uh, and, and caregivers that were, around the clock with me and they were providing me with uh, infused potatoes, infused teas, infused cookies, topical rubs, like infused uh, topical rubs. So, you know, if anybody that's ever gone through detox, I have since learned that your skin can become very, very itchy. And then you get aches and pains and fears and, and illusions. The cannabis kept me sane, as sane as could possibly be during those nine days. At the end of the the nine days, when I started to come around and was able to get myself out of bed and washed up and that sort of thing, and when I say that, I mean I was able to move. So I I got into the chair and went and cleaned up, and I started to think, well, using the towels and such, you know, exercising my legs because they still ached and they still hurt, but I did not want to take any meds. And and so I smoked a considerable amount of cannabis. I continued (laughs) ingesting, and here we are. Uh, Next month, it's going to be eight years for me, out away from pharmaceuticals, that I've only used cannabis. And I used it in every single which way today. I walk, I run, I enjoy life. I have three incredible grandchildren. And in a very busy, active lifestyle.
0: Is there any final words you want to share about your story to coming back to health by using cannabis?
3: The one thing I have learned out through all of everything I've gone through, through my entire experience, is that information is power. Education is empowering, and this is. Your life, your health and wellness. Your doctor may care about you, but he doesn't care what you're eating on your plate that, at dinner that night. He has his own family to feed, or she has her own family to feed. Your health and wellness is your responsibility. Taking action, the, the first and foremost step should be to educate yourself. And educate yourself from both sides of the coin, because even information has bias to it.
0: So what do we learn today? We learned that cannabis has been used and embraced as a medicine for thousands of years. We learned that cannabis was widely accepted and prescribed by our medical community, but unfortunately, it became illegal because of political and economical reasons more than because of health and scientific reasons. We learned that cannabis is effective because it interacts with your endocannabinoid system to create a sense of homeostasis in the body. And we heard some stories of people like myself and like Irene who are using cannabis to get incredible results, especially when they're patient and willing to experiment. What I'm hoping that you take away from this episode is quite simple, that cannabis truly can be an effective and safe medicine. You know, I always say that if we were to discover cannabis today, without its colored past, it would likely be celebrated as the single most significant medical discovery of the 21st century. I wonder if you'd agree. And in fact, I'd love to turn this episode to you now, our Green Flower Nation listeners, to actually understand the impact that cannabis has been having on you or the people around you. So go to green-flower.com forward slash nation to share your story, plus get some valuable tools to support you on your cannabis journey and get links to the people that we talked about in this episode. And of course, if you like this episode, please rate it, share it, and subscribe to listen to all the future episodes where we will continue to explore the impact that cannabis is having on specific parts of our society today.